Hello, fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension. My name is Emma Foster, and joining me with his finger itching to press play is Mr. Michael Mould. How are you, sir? Timing. Got to get the timing right. Oh, yes. So, so today we are doing our first ever audio commentary. Um, we're going to be doing it on the day of the Doctor. So mm-hmm. pause the podcast now. Go and find your copy of Day of the Doctor. Fire it up on iPlayer if you're in the UK. Get your DVD, your DVR, whatever it is. Ready? Um, if you're in the US, I know I think that the NTSC thing means that you'll probably get out of sync with us, but life is hard and full of disappointment. You'll manage. Um, get a proper format. Yeah, get a proper <laughs> format. So basically what I will do is I will say three, two, one, and then play. Press play when I say play, and we shall begin. Um, I must warn you I'm drinking tonight in shout out to our the late great Here Goes Nothing. I have a delicious punk IPA from Brewdog. <laughs> <laughs> so um i might become increasingly coherent as we go on so um right ready okay so for followers following along at home we are starting at the 13 second mark yes on so the main, just... main feature so this is when the doctor who logo is at its brightest and it's just before the main part of the melody you know they <whistles> so that's where we start 13 okay. seconds on and your marks three two one play. play so the day of the doctor here we go i do love this intro this got a huge pop because i saw this at the cinema in 3d mm. um this got a huge like scream and roar so yeah it was um it was good stuff all this stuff <coughs> you sort of go oh my god oh my god oh my god and then shout out to ian chesterton on the board there yeah and, the school uh, governor. and the headmaster yeah, it looks like uh, shout out to Anthony Coburn, the um, the original writer of an unearthly child, and I think maybe it's Warriors Hussein. Yeah. So I like this start. They start with a bloody Marcus Aurelius quote. We didn't have that when I was at school. It was just for God's sake, don't get pregnant and get three GCSEs. <laughs> when I was at school. Yeah, pretty much. Don't know why I got that told, but you know. Yeah, well, don't get anyone else pregnant. That's oh. ah, yeah. <laughs> so look, seven sixteen on the clock, or five sixteen on the clock. Um, which is the exact time that Doctor Who started on the 23rd of November in 63. Yeah, this is the triumph from... uh, The Bells of St. John. John, Yep. Yep. Off she goes. So I believe I've been through this tunnel. That is on the M4, I believe, up to Wales. (laughs) There you go. Oh, and the TARDIS in the distance. I think because everyone in the cinema just got a huge huge grin on their face like Tara did just then. So I do like (laughs) this, of just screaming into the TARDIS. I do like that. A bit of light reading for the doctor there. Yeah, a little TARDIS logo on the front there as well. I didn't. It took like the second second viewing before I noticed that that was what was on there. Mm. The TARDIS seems to be all right with Clara now. Yeah, letting her click a finger. Yeah, yeah, letting her click her fingers. So you're going off to uh, what is his obsession with Mars? He had nothing but bad experiences on Mars. Just stop going there. And I, I, I do always like this implication in Moffat's stories that time sort of passes on um, when you're not watching it, essentially, mm. that they're having adventures and moving on, essentially. And yeah. another thing that I realised is that as Clara's now got a new job, mm-hmm. no more of those kids from Nightmare in Silver. Yay! Yay! Unless they turn up at the school. Uh, Shit. <laughs> mm. This is nice subtle work from Unit. Yes. <laughs> you would have thought they would have just rung him up, but you know, but... Yeah. They deploy that awfully quickly. You do wonder how long the Doctor's been sitting there. Mm. <sighs> I say the old mechanical ra- ravens. <laughs> so shout out to uh, Malcolm from 
Planet of the Dead, you think? Yeah, he gets a, yeah absolutely. He gets a couple of mentions in this. Mm. Also, um, the young lady here with the uh, Tom Baker scarf. Um, <laughs> Bless her. was good. So you do wonder if she is the daughter or granddaughter, I don't know, of Osgood from the Demons. Hmm. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, in 3D, this was all good, but mm. this, this effect looked particularly shonky. Um, yeah. uh, this one that's just coming up now of the wide shot. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it, just, it looks a bit um, artificial, and also mm. it dates it because the they just flashed up the uh, building, which is now known locally as the Walkie Scorchy, because <laughs> it um, it's concave. So when the sun hits it, it melts cars. Oh yeah, and um, sets tarmac on fire. So it's it's under construction there, but it's just been built. Mm. So you probably see that in a future Doctor Who is like an enemy building. <laughs> yeah, so the Zygons have deliberately built it that way. <laughs> hey. hey, I do like that. Um, the way that the titles are flashed up in this. That mm. is lovely. It's always a bit different for Doctor Who as well, which is nice. Yeah. It's convenient how the TARDIS has some handholds underneath it. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut up, that's why. Also, you know, the the whole thing of landing in the middle of Trafalgar Square, I think they were inundated with people coming to watch, mm-hmm. even though they tried to keep it under wraps and they started very early in the morning. They couldn't mm. keep it quiet so i think all those people you see in the background are literally people who just happen to be watching and are now in the shot <laughs> i'm i'm a person who can't get enough of kate lethwich stewart being in the show oh yeah she's awesome um, she's fantastic and it's a lovely way to keep uh nicks courtney's memory alive as well mm-hmm. somebody shut the door shut the door <laughs> click your fingers shut the door <laughs> You know, I never noticed that when I was watching it. I was too busy watching uh, the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. I don't know, they were shutting the door, and poor old Darren Brown. <laughs> <laughs> United Nations Intelligence Task Force. Don't give. Don't care about this unified crap. Oh, I know. What can they do? I know. The stupid UN. You know, if they, in case anyone thinks they actually have got an alien watching department, which they probably <laughs> actually have, but yeah. they wouldn't be online. <laughs> so I do like Clara's incredulity the Doctor could ever have a job. He does <laughs> seem... Uh... Now, this reveal mm. of um, No More slash Gallifrey Falls was, um, was excellent. I think the way that Matt Smith changes from being... You know, bouncy little doctor, you know, mm-hmm. out for a laugh and have some fun and joshing about having a job. And then all of a sudden, it's just changed. Mm. Great effect. Oh, yeah. And again, when we saw this in the cinema, the, the 3D was really used really well. This this thing here where he's going to pan around and see that it's deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good shot. Actually, it comes across very well in 2D as well. Yeah. Spooked. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> and a little handhold. Mm. Bless him. So, um, the Fall of Arcadia, I yeah. believe. Where was that first mentioned, the Fall of Arcadia? I, I think feel like. Doomsday, I think. Mm. The, I think it was after the Cult of Scaro showed up. Mm. 
And it's also referenced in a little episode they released before Day of the Doctor called The the Last Day, which um, you can kind of just skip that one. You don't have to, like, watch that. No, it's, it's, really... it's not essential or anything, yeah, no. It doesn't add a heck of a lot to the... He lied. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, listening to a, to a completely separate podcast talking mm-hmm. about... Um, Genesis of the Daleks saying about if you think about it, this whole long timeline mm-hmm. essentially that they've now made it with uh, um, that the, the it, Genesis Daleks essentially the first shot of the time war, mm. whereas now we're seeing the end of the time yeah. war. Plus, when you have um, Remembrance of the Daleks with the Doctor destroying Scarrow, that could also be counted as a conflagration of the time war, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of like the Battle of the Bulge, I would expect equivalent. Mm. That bit, yeah. So also, what's interesting here is where's this Gallifrey, and I'm sure this is going to come up um, later on. Mm-hmm. You'll see the people here are, di- are getting shot, but not regenerating, which is no. which um, holds the theory that's been going around for a while that every well, um, obviously, there a lot of people live on Gallifrey. It's only like you say the astor- aristocracy, mm-hmm. um, which are the time lords. Everyone else is just kind of a person. Regular. A yeah. regular person, yeah. So not everyone on Gallifrey is a Time Lord slash Lady. So yeah. um, otherwise, you'd be seeing huge plumes of flame with people <laughs> regenerating and getting exterminated, yeah. regenerating and getting exterminated yeah. over and over again. Let's um, say this Time Lord armor is is very cool. Uh, well, mm. Gallifreyan armor is uh, very cool looking. Um, I do like the little seals of Rassilon on the shoulder there. That, yeah. That's still a design they're still quite keen on. Because I do wonder why this bloke's like, you know, I see one more thing blow up. Right, the city's now fallen. Hmm. This bloke just watches him do it and <laughs> blasts no more into the wall, doesn't leg it. Yeah. Just leave it. <laughs> I really thought the Daleks would have just shot them down already. Yeah, but you know what they're like. They do yeah. like to exterminate for a good five minutes before they start shooting. Mm. And so the, the the bunny rabbit also prevalent on Gallifrey as yeah. well as uh, as uh, Earth. I say he's that <laughs> fellow there. We've got the Silurassons kind of tattooed yeah. on his neck in silver. Um, <laughs> That's what you call a time ram. Mm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it when Nick Briggs does this sort of strangled dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, like, wait, we have him. He's like that typical Dalek kind of like, we've definitely got him. Mm. Even oh, though no one actually has him in sight. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile. So it does bring up a question, like, is this set after the end of time? Right. So we are, this has been the main thing of uh, the main point of discussion with a lot of um, my friends and online. Does this story absolutely invalidate the end of time? I don't think it does. No, I don't think it does. Um, mm. We will get into reasons for that, I think, as we go along. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the end of time still occurs as we see it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Again, we mentioned the sky trenches just gone there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another little webisode um, 
was it the that was the last day. day yeah which had a little little bit about that mm-hmm. so they changed the old um the headdresses yeah the big uh the big uh crest things they wear the time lords wear so they used to be solid but mm. uh, look a lot more practical these times well they do they like a robe mm. the time lords you would have thought they're a bit cumbersome in these situations yeah. but um I think it's just that whole thing of them being aristocratic and kind of ancient. Yeah. It kind of brings that that through. That happens a lot with Time Lord technology. It does, actually. I was going to say, perhaps that's what Apple ends up as. approaches <laughs> singularity and becomes sentient. <laughs> You just have an Apple or an iPhone grafted to your hand or something. So I wonder if you'll come up where this is. I wonder if it's another part of Gallifrey or it's another planet or... I think it's somewhere else. Yeah. Because it's sort of... This is kind of like the thing where, um, as you'll see later, Clara brings up like what was about like Doctor's name being a promise. So it makes sense this is a different pla- uh, different planet, like far away from the Time War where he sets up the moment because the part part of the Doctor's promise is never cowardly or cruel which would fit into what he's planning to do with the moment so if this is a separate planet then he's being cowardly because he's not he's like far he's far away from the the battle just a thought anyway oh yeah absolutely I would I would agree yeah it's just um now, Someone this... who made a lovely, lovely hut for uh, the purposes of such. Yeah, just with a tire about... in it though as well. Yeah, there's just some tank treads in the background. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, just... they seem familiar. I don't know why. They look a bit, you know, in uh, Mysterious Planet, mm-hmm. that thing that carries off uh, the Doctor. Not yeah, draft, yeah. other things, sort of like that. Hmm. I was thinking like um, the machine from Colony in Space. Oh, yes, yes. Possibly. But again. So how long do you think before we're going to get like a coffee table version of the moment that you can uh, put all your bevs on and uh, (laughs) put your feet up on? Like a poof version, like the companion cube plushie. (laughs) I give it about I don't know a year or two because I mean how long oh, does it take that long? Well, how long does it take to do the adipose plush? Oh, about five seconds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you make of the decision to use Billy Piper um, as the personification of the moment? Um, I don't mind it. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean. I don't really know how they would have worked, actually worked Rose into it unless you had it like set sometime during like season two. Mm. So, I mean, it makes sense in a way because she's taking on a personification of, of the Doctor's future. She does show him a lot of the future, so it kind of makes sense. But I don't know. It's, it seems strange to use Billy Piper in, a, in such a way. <laughs> I do wonder how long it, why it takes him to, so long to get yeah. gotten on about 
what she is. <laughs> Something slightly Idris about her. There is something quite Idris about her, actually. I do wonder if that might have been a that, but might have been a a nice decision, actually. Hmm. But then I think it would get confusing of saying, "Oh, this is the personification of the moment," and obviously knowing that um, the body that Hmm. the TARDIS is uh, essence got shoved into, essentially. Now I've read. <laughs> now I've read somewhere that um, the jacket that John Hurt's wearing is actually Christopher Eccleston's leather jacket. All right. I, don't, I haven't had any confirmation of it, but that's what I've read. Oh, it could be. It looks like it's been run over about you know a few dozen times. But I mean, <laughs> uh, apart from that. <laughs> So I do like with um, with Hertz Doctor is mm. that um, you sort of get the the impression that he's been he's been fighting and travelling alone for so long he's entirely lost the ability to mm. interact with anything essentially you yeah. know, people and well have a conversation with sort of anybody who's been alone for so long. Mm. It, it's one of those things of um, when you're nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doing something like using a moment report seems seems sensible. Yeah. Um, so I think you you really get the impression that this is the Doctor left alone to his own devices. Um, this is where you end up with him. Mm-hmm. Here comes the plot point about the children. Mm-hmm. Just the look on his face when he realises he's never really thought about it. Yeah. So that's the that's the uh, this is really um, you know we're now hmm. coming up to twenty minutes in and. Um, this is the real way that Moffat tells stories in that mm. you ha- you start with, you know, a, 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 what feels like half a dozen threads mm-hmm. and you think, how on earth is he going to bring all this stuff together to make sense at the end and find it just sort of seems to, to happen. It, it, I mean, this is what it is. You, you mm-hmm. sort of start the first 20 minutes going, well, hang on a minute, another plot thread, another thing, another thing, another thing. You think, how is he going to... Yeah. So Get like, it to meanwhile. where it's gonna go. Yeah. It's like meanwhile, there's a fez. <laughs> so I mean that's quite a big aside. Normally you'd um yeah. you'd have like a little flashback and it would take ninety seconds or something. But I mean that was a good ten minutes of mm. uh of exploring Gallifrey and the acquisition of the moment. <laughs> Now, Jonah Page and her knockers uh, <laughs> playing Elizabeth I yeah. um, 
Yeah, I, I, this is something I enjoyed. I think it's uh, up her street because she's mostly uh, known for being a comic actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, it's nice to actually know where uh, Elizabeth Beef comes for, comes to the Doctor from. Because mm. um, obviously we've, again, it's one of those sort of things of we've witnessed Elizabeth's interaction with the Doctor backwards, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the painting. <laughs> So I wonder how much uh, the that mobile number for the TARDIS got rang on the night. <laughs> it's visible on uh, McGillop's phone there. Yeah, it's the same number from um, I think uh, Stolen Earth. Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, in England, Got a huge reaction um, yeah. in the cinema. England, that looks especially like a place in Wales. <laughs> um, so I wonder if that's uh, the horse that uh, he's using is uh, dear old Arthur from uh, <laughs> Girl in the Fireplace. Well, if so, where did he get to? <laughs> <laughs> Just been wandering around the TARDIS for years. <laughs> So the tenth Doctor at this point, one presumes, is um, we're meeting him between Waters of Mars and the End of Time. Mm. That's that's probably the most logical place to put it because this is during his like time when he was trying to pretty much avoid going to the youth sphere at all costs. Yep. Gotcha. So thought we'd just knock about with uh, Liz One for a yep. while. <laughs> you do get a wonder she busts out I'm the bloody queen from Beast Below yeah. ding mm. it's a machine that goes ding ding <laughs> it's like every, every gadget the 10th Doctor comes up with always does like has two or three different functions yes. besides what it's supposed That's to do they? This is utter confidence in your own show. Just Mm -hmm. be able to take the piss out of yourself, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it almost. (laughs) You need a new horse. They did do a good job with the new um, Zygon uh, look. It's, it's the same, same look, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that it, the face is a lot of oil, and mm. uh, yeah, <laughs> <A> rabbit. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, again, you know, to be able to kind of take the rise out of yourself and give it the whole spiel about being from 904 years old and from the Gallifrey and the constellation of Cerberus, and to go, oh, you're just a rabbit. <laughs> you know, it's stuff like that. <laughs> Do you like this? Just a general warning. <laughs> just in case you've got any ideas. Yeah. So I do wonder if the machine that goes ding is uh, related to the thing that went bing from... Um... Blink. No, hmm? the thing from Blink and the thing Partners in Crime as well had a, oh, yeah. a thing that went bing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really it's really nice that David Tennant can kind of play it just so dead seriously and, mm-hmm. you know, to have it um, sort of become across quite comical, you know, take the rise out of itself. It's <laughs> It it shows the the confidence of the show, as I say, mm-hmm. to be able to be confident enough to just uh, to just go with that for to an extent. <laughs> and there's the fez. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile. <laughs> I think that must be Sylvester McCoy in the middle uh, right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See the Five-ish Doctors reboot for a reference point for that one, ladies and gents. <laughs> I like to think they actually were there, actually were under yeah. those cloths. I think that, well, it certainly implies that they were there, I think, so... Mm. Great seeing the eleventh doctor being officious. LOL. (laughs) 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 Well, I just I always love when uh, Matt does the the clicky finger and then point. Yeah, the thing point. It's just his face in that. <laughs> this is like one of uh, Stephen Moffat's sort of like good sort of like mini plot points, like how the creatures get to where they are. Yeah. Like through through paintings, like just taking the mundane and very frightening. Mm. It's his it's his um trademark and mm. you do wonder how he thinks of these things or really. <laughs> Just goes around looking at things going, Ooh, that's scary, ooh, that's, that's scary. scary, you know. Mm. But again, it's that kind of it it speaks to Matt Smith's abilities as an actor that you can go from him going, Hello well and mm-hmm. sticking a fez on. Oh, I had to be playing this scene with a fez on <laughs> <laughs> completely dead serious and managed to convey to you that this is something scary that's happening mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such an inconvenience yes I'm inconvenienced by this vortex appearing in the room with me rather than being frightened 
people absolutely lost their minds in the cinema when uh, <laughs> they the fez on. Mm. <laughs> Proper skinny. <laughs> like a special effect. I do <laughs> that. <laughs> It's so hard to talk about this. It's just great. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff, it really... Yeah, the <laughs> mine's bigger than yours business. And woo! <laughs> so it sort of reminds me of um, you know, the third Doctor business, as the mm. business of three Doctors. Uh, he's a repair of my replacement, so Danny the Clown. Mm-hmm. Um, so meanwhile... Judging <laughs> 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 <Touching> you. <laughs> the brainy specs. Of course. I do like that he's still wearing Amy's specs from mm. uh, Angels Take Manhattan. <laughs> Which is not really a very good plan, really, because. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you do sort of this like those old um, Frank Skinner things if you know oh my god that's your mum that is or that's yeah. your girlfriend that is, is you know yeah. I do I do like how they can like just casually insult each other and then still smile <laughs> yeah like less sort of antagonistic than it was with two and three. Meanwhile, <laughs> again, it's the whole thing of meanwhile back on this place. It's um, yeah, it's a hell of a thing. I mean, it's I mean, this is ultimate Moffat plot construction. Mm. Now, this was lovely for us old nerds. Yeah, chroma, chroma file, seventies or eighties, depending on the dating <laughs> protocol. <laughs> And all the old fans fall about laughing. Um, I, must, I must explain, I think, briefly, mm-hmm. uh, who don't know the old series, um, that the exact dating of when the unit, the 1970s unit stories are set mm-hmm. is one of the most contentious continuity issues in Doctor Who mm-hmm. because it could be the 70s, the 80s, the late 60s. And, you know, I have seen near-physical fights break out <laughs> um, about what people think it is. So to just give it a little shout out there was great. Yeah. I love it how Matt Smith raises his finger when uh, John Hurt says, anyone lose a face? Or they're like, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> also, um, just to point out the reference to Chroma, it's from the th- Three Doctors, the first um, multi-doctor show. Um, and it, Unit HQ ends up in Omega's Pocket Universe, long story. And uh, when the Brig looks outside, he, th- he thinks they're in a different country, which is kind of accurate, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and he says, I'm pretty sure that's Chroma. <laughs> so again, this whole thing of the Doctor being kind of... having and battle-hardened and you can't believe that these complete idiots are what he becomes, essentially. 
Am I having a midlife crisis? Do <laughs> <laughs> you sort of feel like John Hurt sort of end up with the, the voice of the old fans, I think, versus... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> versus the new new fans, I think. <laughs> so I think it's nice that at this point, obviously, Kate is now a Zygon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's quite nice because she's changed just subtly. Yeah. Um, that she's a bit more kind of yes, no. Um, harsher than mm-hmm. the original Kate that we know. Yeah. Do you like when uh, John Hurt says, we could you assemble a cabinet at them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bit of witchy witchcraft. <laughs> now, now the reaction that the timey wimey gets is you real. Liar. <laughs> that was where you got from. <laughs> liar. There are parts of uh, Joanna Page's performance I'm not criticising, but just uh, just come across a bit like Queenie from Blackadder Two. <laughs> it is quite Queenie, isn't it? Actually, you're quite yeah. right. But- <laughs> Sand shoes and granddad. <laughs> I like the, like the half second pause between um, Matt Smith talking and then uh, John Hurt. Right? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> So what do you make of uh, the Tower of London Abbey effectively being Unit HO? Because <laughs> I can't think of anything else now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it's it's brilliant, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's subtle, you know? <laughs> well, it's like I, I can't think of Canary, the uh, Canada, uh, one Canada uh, Canary square. Wolf, yeah. Wolf being anything other than Torchwood One, oh. I can't. I mean, I see it virtually every day, but I can't think of it as anything else. <laughs> Chini. <laughs> so the whole business with the sonic screwdriver coming up. I wonder if that'll fix the wood problem. <laughs> well, it would fix the wood problem if uh, they just would. T- door first, <laughs> rather than waving a sonic at it for half an hour. <laughs> so I do like the Dana Scully-ness of this guy here. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dumb idiot, look, <laughs> you must see some weird things in, in unit. Yeah. <laughs> You'll still continue to be sceptical.
<laughs> Did somebody say hide? <laughs> now, the Zygons, I do like the way they did these little quick cuts and mm. kind of all the dribble and the screaming and the glass smashing. Yeah. It is it's quite nice because you don't really get a good look at them no. almost um for quite a lot lot of it. They try and keep it um it, as, as far away from you as possible but mm-hmm. you only get a, just a brief glimpse and think you're reflected in things um sort of up the scare factor really i think that was really effective mm-hmm. um because at the end of the day it's just it's a bloke in a big rubber suit because it is very rubbery looking <laughs> but i don't know how mobile they've made the faces like the yeah. um like the uh the squishiness of them almost Nice little gag with the scarf. It was sort of reminiscent of the fair Tom Baker's time because he always used to use the scarf to like, trip people up and things like that. So that was a nice touch. The Black Archive that looks suspiciously like every warehouse I've ever seen in my life. There's <laughs> 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 uh, a nice little treasure trove of um, bits and pieces from Doctor Who past. Mm-hmm. Lots of things that go bleep. <laughs> Even unit is uh, hit by budget cuts. <laughs> so play spot the companions. Yep. Got Wolf there in the top left. Yeah, I see Rory there. Freema. Arthur Jones. So you do wonder how the old. Uh, Next manipulator ended up there mm. on the occasion of one of Jack's deaths. Yeah, kind of makes you wonder why um, he would leave it to unit though. Well, it might not be a case of leave to unit. It might they just, be uh, they salvaged it. <laughs> they just took it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, look, the dig at the Americans. You've seen their <laughs> movies, but they can't have it. <laughs> So, obviously, uh, keeping in mind uh, uh, Stolen Earth Journey's End, I um, mm. wonder if the old uh, Project Indigo is still going with the old uh, mobile um, mm. Vortex Minute play that Martha uses. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, and the penny drops for Clara. Oh, it... <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> So I take it that Starburst didn't agree with her then. Oh, so grim. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's probably what, nasty, actually. So nasty. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the Zygons were kind of gross, dribbly, kind of, and their their old spaceship was kind of all weird and mushy and mm. things you could push and pull to 
to make things happen. It was all organic, so kind of just all that kind of snotty, pussy kind of thing. It's mm. uh, oh, Clara, she's quick off the mark, isn't she? <laughs> Also, the uh, the activation code for the uh, the vortex manipulator seventeen sixteen twenty three eleven sixty three, the date and time broadcast of Unearthly Child Part One. Don't be too confused, Americans. We do it the proper way, logical yeah. way of day, month, year, not month, day, year. You dummies. <laughs> part where they just start sniping at one another mm. so the uh, the impl- implication where he says to him you know why are you afraid of talking like adults and that sort of thing I think it's that thing of I was that way when I made this decision mm-hmm. to uh, use the moment so I never want to be that way again yeah. so it's kind of artificial kind of reality you sort of realise how front it is mm-hmm. So I'm sure anyone out there who's sort of, uh, you know, writing an essay now about, you know, how this is a a reflection of the stages of grief and things like that. I'm sure there's mm. a a reading to be made of it. That the the tenth Doctor is is still dwelling on it, but mm-hmm. the eleventh Doctor has, has moved on because he has to. Yeah, or at least he says he's moved on. Oh, he says he's moved on by pretending he he, he doesn't remember. Mm. As I do like quite like you know it's because that that ongoing thing with the the cognitive dissonance almost with Doctor Who that you have to sort of keep in mind that although he's clearly the youngest looking, mm-hmm. Matt Smith is the oldest there, yeah. and I think the way that he speaks to the tenth Doctor and he kind of reels back from him almost he's like wow okay you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing of seniority. I do like that bit which says this is realizes it's what I'm like when I'm alone. You just mm-hmm. think he just does still constantly beat himself up over it. I think this whole disbelief that these are his successors mm-hmm. is really interesting. It's quite underwhelming his screwdriver, bless it. Um, yeah. I have seen I have seen the the toy model, and it's, uh, I mean, although obviously it, it's this way for a reason in the story, the mm. replica is somewhat disappointing looking. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's really sort of like the 
eighth Doctor Sonic screwdriver, but with like a diode like the the ninth, tenth screwdriver, really. So it's sort of like a transition, which is kind of that's kind of what John Hurt's Doctor is, really. It's sort of like transition between the classic Who and the new Who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Clara Rune's moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're incredible. We're just having just been finished. I'm incredibly clever, and you didn't open the door. So it's, I like that the the Doctor's density to the obvious is something that does come up a lot, and uh, I do enjoy it. Right, row. Another bit of uh, Zygon lore here. They need to keep their uh, the people the duplicating. Undercover. Yep, I like that Bond's put the sheet back over her. <laughs> As if you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the tendrils hanging out. Now that is, is gross as shit, man. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... I would say part of me wants the old Star Wars sea wipes. Mm. <laughs> so I think that Zygon must have um, watched some James Bond movies because he's just called her out about uh, revealing the plan. <laughs> Why are they still alive? Why are you telling them our extensively telling them our plan? Come on. Even in the city of death, that you um, find out that uh, Time Lord Art is what is computer generated, or yeah. Like that. So okay. it, it makes uh, makes sense with this, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Cup of soups plus time. I usually add all hot water myself, but you know. I usually throw it in the bin because cup of soups are gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> the tenth Doctor shoots himself in the foot again. Absolutely. So again, you know, this whole kind of, not undermining him, but sort of just pointing out that they can be quite dumb, especially when they're all mm. together. Because um, normally he'd be dead right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
least one knows how to shank a fool. Mm. Yeah, take that men. <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, here's the here's the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so Clara's just so into it. I love how into it Clara is. It's so funny. She's the most pleased out of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does start to happen, yeah. <laughs> and I think this is probably why uh, Liz one was so mad at the doctor back in uh, the Shakespeare Code. Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Smell you later, dear. <laughs> now, is it just me or is the set a little bit different? Because I seem to think the ramp leading up to the console was more of an angle. Possibly... It is the round things. <laughs> I feel like that they all refer to it as the desktop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no idea what the round things are. Mm-hmm. The old three doctors reference there. Mm-hmm. So let's see, there's um, one of the guns from Doomsday, uh, River Song's Shoes, Magna Clamps from Doomsday as well. I'm trying to see in the background there. <laughs> Seven Man House. Now, I th- seem to think that somewhere in the background the movie's in the reverse of this shot there's a uh, the supreme Dalek from uh, Stolen Earth Journey's End mm. do how Chameleon has the biggest picture on the um there it well, is. poor Sod was most tragic, wasn't he? Yeah. He did get the raw end deal. <laughs> but I do also quite like that the Black Archive is mostly, you know, it's being controlled by essentially a reel of magnetic tape. I wonder if this is, or hopefully it's not connected to everything that was connected to the Osterhagen key, because otherwise it's going to be a lot of really pissed off people. Mm. Unless, it, unless it's just that one. Yeah, it must just be that one. Yeah. 
Also, when they're about to blow up the prize, when they mm. initiate the self destruct sequence. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> so now we go back to the start, and you see why McGillips entering his home. So here we go. This is this is the Moffat trick that mm -hmm. everything is now starting to coalesce into one story. Mm. And I'm out of beer. Damn it! Oh no. Dang it, should have bought more. <laughs> She's kind of scary when she gets shouty. Mm. Not a teacher you're always scared of. Mm. And now the three of them. <laughs> nice messy splurdy Dalek there I wonder why they just use the old uh, just sort of standard science fiction pew for the uh, Dalek yeah, I do, I, that's something I always like about the Daleks is that they are basically just sort of pew pew kind mm. of typical flying saucer mm. looking ship I do. I've always liked that. I'm not really sure why, but uh, it does make me laugh. Like he's such a scary monster. He's got such a weedy little ray gun, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, that's what struck me as not necessarily odd about this episode, but I've noticed that um, Clara's Lancashire accent's a lot more pronounced in this than it was in the second half of the series seven. Mm. I didn't really notice that she was from Lancashire until it was mentioned in Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, but um, here it's mm. a lot more noticeable. Yep. Yeah. Is that a uh, Tommy gun from Darks in Manhattan in the background there? I just noticed. Mm hmm. I do enjoy the doctor sort of being effortlessly badass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a nice little bit. <laughs> the shoe. So there was a picture tweeted from the set, wasn't there? That was basically the shoes. Mm. And everyone went, "Ooh, like that." So obviously now you realise where that shot comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Carolyn Ford and Jackie Hill. really talking over this but it's so hard to it's hard to it's hard to talk over this um it um it's one of those things of it it's it's kind of just it's the best doctor who story in the way that it's always sort of uh it just draws you in you just want to you want even though you've seen it even though we've now seen it a couple of times both of us Mm -hmm. um you just it just sucks you in you just want to keep you want to look at it all the more don't you yeah So I do like that um, this whole thing with Clara, kind of that he, she knows him better, really, than any companion has before, really, mm. in because she's been inside his time stream essentially, and so yeah. she's seen all of his lives, and uh, depending on what you think to it, um, he's escaped from Gallifrey in the first place and has kept him out of scrapes and stuff. So mm. the she sort of knows him in a way that no one else really seems to. Yeah. And I really like that they sort of kind of bring this out. There's a big red button. (laughs) (laughs) I do like this um, bit about the moment she's constantly trying to talk him out of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you mm-hmm. sure? Yeah. Because obviously uh, the, the echoes of Oppenheimer mm-hmm. come back to I uh, become death, the destroyer of worlds. Yep. Now, this is the thing that they feel like the truth is what my mum would call a big tart because, mm. you know, he's always got to take, you know, the blame for everything and yeah. he's the one who's got to make the big decision because no one else will and, mm. you know, he's a bit of a martyr. He's yeah. needless his heart, so... So I think this might be... I mean, where I've seen uh, reviews of this episode and... Mm. Um, sort of people commentating on it is that this might be Moffat's biggest and best move in relieving the guilt of the time war mm-hmm. from the doctor yeah. and I mean, it's, the, yeah. taking his decision away essentially mm-hmm. but a lot of people have been saying so like oh what happens from here on out so undoes what happened in the time war. It, it doesn't really it doesn't, it doesn't rewrite it at all it's just a matter of perspective. Yeah, exactly. The, the 11th Doctor, uh, at the end of this, goes forward with renewed hope, essentially, mm-hmm. and the guilt of the Time War has fade away, faded away for him because, obviously, it's it's changed. Mm-hmm. But the 10th Doctor remains the same, as does the 9th. Mm-hmm. It doesn't invalidate 
anything that we saw there, yeah. but to basically say that is now over. Mm-hmm. His his pain is now is moving is is moved on now because he knows what he did yeah. to change it. Essentially, the eleventh Doctor knows that, and so we can we can take that away mm-hmm. um, with us for the next. We can move on to the next step, yeah. whereas um, really um, seeing his uh, his struggle was always going to go on. He could all he, he would never move beyond it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. Well, I think it was about time to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I mean, because I have said I have seen people. I don't personally agree with it, but um, people saying that RTD putting this this burden on the Doctor was mm. it was a step too far and. Um, it was a mistake. Um, I don't personally agree with that, but mm. um, yeah, it's um, it to to yeah just to just to put a full stop after it mm-hmm. and leave it there. Especially as we've got now a regeneration coming up for the Christmas episode, to basically leave it in the past and move forward in, with something else yeah. is um, is a good idea in my opinion. Yeah, when it came to this bit where they've all got the hands on the the big red button, yeah. you, you do sort of like you, you just do, think they're going to do, do it, it, yeah. yeah. And it's it's sort of like sort of become the thing with um, the new series as a whole. It's it's the companion who manages to ground the Doctor, yeah, and not get him to do the right thing. So I don't, I don't mind that. A lot of people mm. seem to think that that somehow weakens the Doctor's character. But I don't concur. Um, I think that you need to go back and, I would say to those people, you know, go back and watch some classic Who and mm-hmm. really watch what the Doctor does. Especially things like when you watch an unearthly child, you know, it's sort of like this is the Doctor who's ready, willing, and able to murder somebody because mm. they're slowing them down. Yeah. You know, this is, is somebody that has been moulded by the companions and their moral compasses all the way through his lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's uh, like uh, Clara says coming out, is that any idiot can be a hero, but uh, mm-hmm. it takes something more. Um So I mean, there's something that so again, something that I've always liked about uh, Doctor Who since the return is that mm. you know he's getting old and um, he's coming to the end of his life. Mm. Uh, so um, this whole thing of he's almost too this thing, you know, I'm too old to learn anything new, and um, you know, I'm set in my ways. It, it takes someone else to kind of to to kick you up the bum sometimes and. Mm-hmm. Get you into something, doing something. Yeah, I think the um, the never cruel nor cowardly bit is from Terence mm-hmm. Dix. I think it was one of his. It did it for the Target novels, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that was his description of uh, the Doctor. And uh, never go, never go in Galaxy Quest. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I grabbed our hammer. What savings? Mm.
<laughs> I do like how Plifar is that he's had another idea. Yeah. Anything other than this terrible bloody thing with the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, again it's that whole thing of he's forgotten how to be the doctor and mm-hmm. suddenly he's been reminded that um he can do something else yeah i do love uh john hurts uh oh that is good yeah that's so doctorish i mean mm-hmm. i did i did love how um sort of doctory <laughs> he's being <laughs> <laughs> now I know a few people who were annoyed about this whole thing of David Tennant or the Tenth Doctor saying about bad wolf, bad wolf, and then it just mm. all gets left. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's fine. I, I don't mind this. I mean, it's one of those things. It might come up again, but if it doesn't, yeah. we'll be fine. You'll manage, it's, everybody. You'll yeah. manage. You've seen his story. Yeah, it's bigger, bigger fish to fry right now. So yeah, absolutely. So we should explain why I think we've got the same idea about the the end of time is not invalidated. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, because as we'll see, once uh, Gallifrey is time shifted and frozen in a moment, mm-hmm. um, and the Dalek fleet destroys each other, uh, we'll see at the end the Doctor then leaves at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's stated that he's, he's forgotten all of this. So basically, for the Tenth Doctor... He went to visit Elizabeth I, got married and went home. Mm-hmm. Uh, went on to the next thing, whichever he did. Um, he's forgotten all this stuff. Yeah. So when we see, as far as he's concerned, he did. he's done exactly what he thought he did. He used the mm-hmm. moment, destroyed Gallifrey. And then when we see uh, Gallifrey come out of this stasis thing, mm-hmm. it's exactly as we see it in the end of time. It doesn't invalidate the end of time as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Apart from being going back into the time lock, as it should be, mm-hmm. it just goes back into stasis. Mm. I personally that, always had it that um, you have the end of time, Gallifrey gets shifted by Rassilon, but then it goes back because, as you notice, the, as the general says to the other fella, the plans have already failed. So I put yeah. it like, just literally just after the events of the end of time. Yeah. So which mean they end up east or something? Hmm. <laughs> but I do, I do like the the, the message the the doctor sends to Gallifrey. Gallifrey stands also ties into the end mm-hmm. of time because Russell to close Gallifrey rises, and um, the the um, the time lady who like predicts the future says Gallifrey falls. So at least this way it tells you that you know Gallifrey doesn't win or lose the time war. It just it, stops it yeah. essentially. Now, this is where everyone lost their freaking minds in mm. the cinema. It was it was a brilliant way to get everyone in. Yeah. Because um, obviously, you know, people have passed away. People have uh, uh, advanced in years. So this is the best part <laughs> for me. All 12 of them. No, sir. All 13. <laughs> Spoof. <laughs> and Got his bollocking face on. <laughs> yeah, he has. Absolutely. I think he's going to be a grumpy doctor somehow. Mm. I mean, I, I can only imagine that everybody in the cinema just went crazy oh, when they saw the penalty. Insane. I mean, it's to the point that I didn't, you know, we didn't really hear the rest of the dialogue in this scene because mm-hmm. people were just 
going nuts, absolutely nuts. Yeah, I remember watching this on the telly, and then you got the flash of Capaldi, and you're just like, shit! Yeah, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> oh, for, oh, for God's, God's sake. sake. <laughs> <laughs> so I do feel like John Hurt is, sometimes, is the voice of the grumpy Doctor Who fans mm-hmm. who don't like all this guff that they do now these, these days. And of course, Spotty. He takes it black, though. What a loony. <laughs> <laughs> So I think if there's a phrase that sums up Doctor Who is failing to doing the right thing, mm-hmm. sort of that's that's a, a nice way of putting it. Do our best, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But at least we did what we thought was right. That's nice how they finally refer to him as the Doctor. Doctor, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Moffat's now been trolling the planet about saying, <laughs> you know, that um, Peter Capaldi's the fourteenth the actually, and all this sort of thing. How many more times do I have to say to you people, don't listen to anything he says. He just tells lies for his own amusement. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we were at the convention on uh, a couple of weeks ago, or well, coming up to a little while ago now, um, he was so interview said, you know, when are you going to start telling lies about the Christmas episode? <laughs> he says, well, now I suppose. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that has been a whole big thing about the numbering now. Yeah, but I would say, do not listen to anything Peter Capaldi, uh, no, not Peter Capaldi, anything (laughs) that Stephen Moffat says about it, because he's just telling lies for his own amusement. Just wait until the show is on, and then Mm -hmm. wait till the show says something, then that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. Well, until they change it. (laughs) Well, as he said at the uh, interview I saw, um, I do like how how beat up his TARDIS is. Yeah. Um, You know... um, Oh, well, 13, 13 uh, Doctors better stop the show. <laughs> so, you know. That's, do you like this? Do I do like refer- this as well. Reference to the 10th I... planet. Yeah. Wearing a bit thin. Now, a lot of people were disappointed that Eccleston didn't get a little bit of screen time, but then They again, asked him and he didn't want to do it, so no. what can you do? No. Which I suppose makes sense, because Eccleston's one of those actors who prefers to be, like, in for a thing solidly rather than just do, like, a cameo, mm. you know? Well, there you go. It's a little bit of him there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely him. There's no There's no two ways about that, so... Mm. I think also a lot of people sort of got a bit annoyed with the Tenth Doctor's parting words here. You know, I don't want to go saying that it undermined his departure, and it's like, no, not really, because there's, there's different contexts. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, trends of law might be the next thing up for a bit of uh, changeability there. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think trends of law is going to stay as a fixed point. No, this is Moffat after all. So, oh, <laughs> oh, ten, you charmer! Stop it, you married man! Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> 
But do you like... it, it, it did make me laugh in the cinema, the mm-hmm. I don't want to go line. Well, it's, it's the follow-up line that really gets it for me. Yeah, he's always, yeah, saying, he's always that. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> now this moment coming up. Oh god! I mean, everyone was a bit like. I mean, because everyone was wondering, would it be Peter Capaldi or will it be like um, David Bradley's William Hartnell mm. or you know, no one really knew. You know what they were going to pull out of the bag here, and what they ended up doing, I thought was perfect. Mm. Um, so the, the the speculation begins really as to the identity of the curator. What what do you think of it then? Um. Well, it, it's I don't know. I mean, it's a nice thought. Just like say this is like a, a far, far, far future doctor who's you know retired. Um. But at the same time, you could just sort of like take it as, you know, slightly, I don't want to, don't want to say daffy old man, but you know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. there's so many ways you, you could play it and, and they even say it here, you know, or perhaps it doesn't matter either way. I think it's a nice little bit by Moffat. He sort of like throws this out there, but he doesn't like give you a di- definitive answer. He just sort of like says, it's up to you to decide. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of his equivalent of the woman in uh, The End of mm. Time. Um, I personally, I mean, I, I'm sort of thinking uh, that um, he's sort of uh, another Time Lord. Because, mm. um, I mean, he's, you know, the curator. Uh, yeah, the uh, it's sort of the nomenclature of uh, Time Lords. In the, mm. Not all of them, but uh, a lot of them do the, the job as name thing. Mm-hmm. What we've got the core and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um Again, it's that whole, and again, the brilliant Moffat thing of giving you a little bit of information and then changing it at the end. Mm-hmm. The Gallifrey falls no more. But, yeah. um, it's, it's just it changes like... it for you. It just changes it tight enough that you mm-hmm. go, oh, it's all been worth something. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little bit by Tom Baker. It's, it's sort of like it's like his, it's like sort of completely the hits really of his doctor is sort of like, you know, you know A and, um, and the shh there. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, just the whispering question. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I mean, you know, lots, lots of different things that I mean, again, speculation online, um, lots of different people that uh, Tom Baker's character could be. I mean, the mm-hmm. main thing, Braxitel, again, shout mm-hmm. out to uh, uh, City of Death there, and the uh, many, many audios in which he features. <laughs> I love mass playing very much there. Mm. <sighs> marvellous. It is so marvellous. Mm. Tom's still got it. I mean, bless his heart, he's completely crazy. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, he's so he's so magnetic, and you just can't not watch him. Yeah, I but... say I do like the sort of roundels on the wall there as well. Mm-hmm. I do so like it set up this new direction for the Doctor, and uh, Moffat said it was going to be a game changer because now he's got like a, an actual purpose, but sort of, and it's like an end goal, but he's not going to do it. Yeah, he's like, not going to do it. But direct. I mean, it's the fact that he's now going forward with with, with renewed hope, mm-hmm. and the 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 scars of the Time War are kind of healed, and mm-hmm. that um, you know, essentially this this 50 years and this journey is now an end but the next 50 years is now beginning yeah um but i do like i love this shot it's so lovely yeah 
I just have this feeling that you know they'll get to a point where you know the Doctor does find Gallifrey, restores it to the universe, and then realizes why exactly he left it in the first place and buggers off again. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, plants and IKEA furniture sold that. But I mean, you know, we've, we're getting to the end of the Doctor's life. If we're talking, talking about Capaldi being the thirteenth now, mm-hmm. um, and we've got I mean, we introduced the Time Lords, give another life cycle. So this is a perfect way to do it. Yeah. And there we have it. There you go. Marvellous. 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 So much fun. Um, mm-hmm. It was, for me, it's, um, I think a lot of people kind of found it too, kind of all over the shop and fan wanky. But I mean, for me, it was kind of, it was perfect. It yeah. was the perfect mix of humour, looks to the past, looking to the future. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, it was such a difficult job to get this right. And he absolutely nailed it. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, the, the as we're recording this now, we have not. You know, we're in November. It's actually Thanksgiving today. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy day, Yanks out there. Uh, so um, we are right in the run up to Christmas now. So we're mm-hmm. waiting for how Christmas is going to lead in, take on from this. Um, and I can't wait. I'm absolutely gagging to see Christmas. Mm-hmm. And there we have it. Yep. There you go. The day of the Doctor. Hope you stuck along with us. Hope it turned Indeed. out all right. So it wasn't uh, too much of us just watching it. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, hope everyone who was uh, listening at home enjoyed it and uh, listened along with us. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is something that you enjoyed, want to hear us do more commentaries of more episodes, mm. then head along to. Um, simpsyndicated.com go to the facebook page uh, greatest show podcast mm-hmm. at facebook um and the twitter address is at greatest show pod you can email us at uh, greatest show at simplysyndicated.com as well fantastic and uh yeah get in touch let us know did you like it what episodes would you like us to have a go at next if any um what were your thoughts on the day of the doctor mm-hmm. let us know yep so thanks very much emma Thank you, Mike. Take care out there. We'll see you again. I'm going to go and get some more beer. Mm, Good idea.